Working Class Audio is brought to you by Universal Audio, Audio Technica, Loudon Audio, Focal Monitors, and Gearsluts.com. This is the Working Class Audio Podcast, Session 133. Working Class Audio, navigating the world of recording with a working class perspective. Here's your host, Matt Boudreau. All right. Hey, thanks, Chuck. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Working Class Audio Podcast. This is session 133 you're listening to. My guest today is the very talented multi-instrumentalist, singer, songwriter, and recording engineer and producer. I'm talking about Alan Evans. You might know him as the man behind the drum kit in the band Soul Live, or you may know him from one of his other past projects that he's been a part of over the years. But uh, Soul Live is one of the things he's been involved in the longest since 1999. He uh, runs Iron Wax Studio as well uh, since 1990. That's located in Miller Falls, Massachusetts. Yeah. So as I told my uh, youngest on the way home from one of our many, one of the many summer camps the kids are involved in, I said, hey, I got to get in, into this interview when we get home and I'm going to be kind of tied up for about an hour. And I said, the uh, the guy that I'm interviewing is one of those guys that can play all of the instruments, bass, drums, guitar, keyboards, he sings, and he's a great recording engineer as well, as well as a great producer. And uh, my youngest said, wow, so that means he could be the band all himself. Yep. That is the case. God, I wish I could do that. That would be incredible. Anyways, Alan Evans coming up here. I'm very excited. We had a great conversation. I can't wait to play it for you. So I found a 10-year-old gift certificate for Amoeba Records in Berkeley, uh, California, and went over there. And, you know, of course, first thing I did was walk in and say, I have a 10-year-old gift certificate here. Can I use it still? And they, you know, looked at it, examined it. And of course, they were like, yeah, man, go crazy. It was for 100 bucks. Here's what I got. I got um, Drums Between the Bells by Brian Eno and Rick Holland. Real interesting two CD set. Yes, I got CDs. And I bought a used box set uh, of Led Zeppelin of all of all bands. And I know, you know, it seems that when I hear Led Zeppelin, it's always on the radio. Because I only own, I think, one, two. No, I think I only owned Houses of the Holy. Yeah. So I bought this box set and it's got, all the Zeppelin records, you know, one, two, three, four, or Zoso, if you want to call it that, uh, Presence, Physical Graffiti, In Through the Outdoor, Coda. I'm missing one, I think. Can't remember. Anyways, I got to say, it really was amazing to just go chronologically and listen to those records. And I, I will tell you this, and I know some of you who may be like diehard Zeppelin fans are going to want to kill me for this one, but Presence... That's like the worst record of the bunch. That is not a good record, in my opinion. Not enjoying that at all. Physical Graffiti, that might be my favorite. That's got a lot of good songs on it. And what was also interesting, well, beyond the fact that my eyesight's so bad and you should have seen me uh, sitting there with a magnifying glass trying to read all the credits, but just going through and looking at some of the uh, engineers that you uh, don't normally hear about i mean we always hear about eddie kramer and we always hear about uh glenn johns right but you know we don't really hear about and i'll have to look it up uh this is the on physical graffiti but here's the some of the people that we don't really hear about uh keith hardwood mixed 
you know, quite a few of these tunes like uh, Custard Pie. I mean, such a great tune. Also, the engineer, I'm going to slaughter this guy's name. I know. First name, George. His last name is C-H-K-I-A-N-T-Z. Chianti? I don't even, I'm not going to even try it. Anyways, you know, we really rarely hear about some of these guys and it makes me wonder where they're at. And if they listen to this podcast, I would love to talk to you. Also, Ron Nevison. Um, yeah, we always hear about Andy Johns, Glenn Johns, and of course, Eddie Kramer, you know, and they're definitely talented folks, but man, there's some really good work on these records uh, by some engineers that we really don't hear from all that often. But what a great box set. It's uh, Led Zeppelin, the complete studio recordings, you know. Uh, okay, here we go. Led Zeppelin, one, two, three, Zoso, Houses of the Holy Presence, Physical Graffiti, in through the outdoor encoded. Uh, and then it comes with a book that talks about the whole thing. It was interesting because with regards to the levels, and if you listen to the last episode, 132 of the Ian Shepherd, it sounded great. So kudos to, I didn't even look up who mastered it, but uh, man, it sounded good. The whole thing sounds good. And I'm, I don't know if it was totally remastered or not, but yeah, the levels were just super relaxed and it sounded huge and really got me uh deep in thought about that so yeah led zeppelin box set how about that also um you know it's summertime as i record this and if you're playing this in a future date this is 2017 it's july uh we're coming up on july 4th in the united states our independence day summertime is always a time if you've been a long-term listener of the podcast uh, you've heard me talk about uh spending my summer times not the entire summer but a large portion of them purging and organizing and i'm at a point where because i've done so much purging and organizing of things there's not a whole lot to purge if you're interested in doing this what it involves is is basically starting with documents documents are a big pain in the ass what i'm using now is uh, uh evernote which i'll include a link in the show notes too if you're not familiar with it really powerful uh, program i went ahead and subscribed to the premium version and the combination of that and the camera on my phone, I used to be a lot more into um, a mobile doc scanner, uh, but now I'm pretty much just taking pictures with the phone and then uh, moving those pictures into Evernote and tagging them and, you know, jotting down notes and dollar amounts. And the premium version of Evernote uh, will go through and it will scan through all your documents. So if you type in like auto or probably type in gas, and uh, if you type in gas, you pull up all your gas receipts or, you know, stuff like that. It's really interesting. Uh, I encourage you to check it out and get into that habit of digitizing documents. You could still save the documents if, you know, if you want. I save a few, not much. Uh, I purge most of them, but I've got pictures of all of them. I can print them out. I can send PDFs to accountants. I can, you know, get all that stuff done. So it's really, uh, I don't know. Uh, if, if you're super duper type A and uh, highly organized, you'll love it. Uh, if you're like me and it's a struggle, you're going to have to commit yourself to it because uh, I'm not a type A personality, but I definitely enjoy this getting this process uh, done so that when I go to look for stuff, I can find it. Imagine that. Before we get into our interview with Al, I do want to tell you something. You know, I've been telling you all along here that this uh, Universal Audio uh, promo for the Apollo Dream Rack Studio thing where you get the bunches of plugins to add to your uh, 
Apollo, if you purchase a new Apollo or a couple new Apollos, hey, let's take two. It was going to end on June 30th. So I called over there and said, hey, you know, uh, the promo is going to end. What's the next promo? And they said, well, actually, uh, change of plans. We're going to extend it. It's going to go through August. I don't have a total deadline yet, and I should. I should look that up for you. In fact, I will. I'll do that right now. Okay, it's been extended to August 31st. So you have a bit more time. Save some more bucks. Uh, get yourself an Apollo or a couple Apollos, and then go over to uaudio.com and you can see what plugins you can get and how much in plugins you can get. Hey, while you're at it, I really encourage you to check out this video that Jakir King did with UA, um, where he's actually recording into uh, Apollos and he's recording, uh, he's, he's basically taking a split system. He's recording into 1073s, real 1073s, and then the uh, Apollos Unison 1073s and A-Bing them. And you can download the files and compare for yourself. And I'll just tell you, I think it's pretty mind-blowing. It's so similar. The differences are, I don't know, to me, it's it's negligible in my opinion. But that's my opinion. You may have a different opinion. But check it out. That's at uh, uaudio.com. Uh, the Apollo Dream Rack Studio thing and the, uh, the video by Jakir King, which is actually right on top of the website there, right up front. So there it is. I'll tell you what, let's do this, huh? Let's talk to Al Evans right now. Let's do it. Al Evans here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Al. Why, thank you for having me. I don't know where to start. I will start by saying this. Um, this morning, my youngest son, uh, who just turned nine, he said, well, who are you interviewing? And I said, well, guy I'm interviewing plays drums, bass, guitar, and keyboards, but he's also a recording engineer. And he was like, what? And, he's, <laughs> and he said, so he could be a band all himself. I said, exactly. <laughs> and I said, I'm so jealous of guys like that because they, are, they could do everything. I guess that's, it's kind of turned, turned into that. Uh, you know, it's, it's cool. I, I like doing that. You know, I, I definitely, there was a couple of years um, recently that I was doing a lot of that and then you get bored and then it's, it's, it's always nice to have other cats to feed off of. Although I, I always used to joke with my wife, Say, man, people would think I was crazy if they came down and you know just kind of heard what was going on in a recording session when it was just myself, especially like when I'm doing vocals, or whatever. Because the thing is, I, I'm uh, I feel like I'm uh, I have like these I go into these different personalities, you know. Like so, when I'm on drums, I'm kind of the drummer, and when I'm, I'm playing guitar, I'm the guitarist, and I have like so different personalities. And I approach those instruments as you know, you hear cats who like play guitar or they're guitarists and then they pick up bass but mm -hmm. they're like you could tell they're you know they're a guitarist playing bass you know <laughs> so and and especially when i started doing vocals and background vocals and things like that yeah you change my voice and you know you get into the it's it's almost like i guess acting or or something like that you get into these uh, different vibes and i just i think that kind of helps create a different feeling and so, instead of just like oh just one person kind of just playing everything you know? when you assume the drummer role do you join a million bands and become flaky <laughs> <laughs> just kidding yeah i'm a drummer exactly. so i could say that oh yeah totally dude yeah yeah totally yeah yeah well the funny thing is when i whenever i'm doing that kind of stuff the drums are always last to go on on the track really? so yeah the, so the drummer's always late i guess <laughs> he's always showing up late you know oh drummers yeah so yeah. uh you grew up in a household full of music, and I love how uh, 
I love how you put it in your bio. You said, if the Kennedys have a proclivity for politics, mm-hmm. the Evans family have a proclivity towards music, and that you yeah. spun records at home like most people watch TV. Right, right, tell, exactly. Tell me about your upbringing musically and, and, and what, what impact you think that that has had on your life today. First off, I, I don't even remember when I started. Drums was my first instrument. And I started that from what my mother says when I was about nine months old. And there was a drum set in the house. My father played drums, not professionally, but he was a really, really good drummer. And uh, my mother's father, my grandfather, who I'd never met, he passed away long before I was born, was a, uh, a polka drummer. I'm half Polish. So he was a, a polka drummer and they played like Polish weddings and things like that. So when I when it was born there were drums in the house and i guess when i was nine months old i just kind of started banging on them really that's kind of like a small part i'd see my father play drums and and i guess you know i just wanted to be like him but the really the biggest thing was we it's kind of funny you mentioned television so especially my brother and i there was a room we had a pretty large house and there was a room where my father, the living room, where he had the stereo and all the, the albums and such. And then in between the living room and, well, the living room's in between, say, the kitchen, dining room area, and then we had this one room, it was called the, the TV room. And it was just like a front part of the house where we had the television and such. So when we were younger, if we wanted to go list, watch television, we had to go through the living room which usually wasn't a big deal unless my father was sitting there listening to music. So, so he was like, oh, man, we hear music. Damn, we want to go watch cartoons. So what would happen, my father would, and this is when we were really young, four or five, he would stop us. And he'd say, hey, uh, who's playing tenor sax? Who's, uh, who's playing piano there? Who's playing alto? It was a really amazing form of ear training at a very young age. So it's like, oh, we had to figure out, oh, well, that's, uh, oh, that's Oscar Peterson playing piano. That's Ray Brown playing bass. And that's, uh, oh, uh, Tony Williams playing drums. No, that's Ed Thigpen or whatever, you know, like, and the, and the thing was, and this, this would go on. And, and obviously, as we got older, it, it became a lot of fun. It was a great education. And it was like we were learning about people's tones, how to pick out people's phrasing, their tones, and really how people played together as musicians. As so, we that was like, I mean, literally from day day one. And it wasn't. I don't think it was really for him. It was something that he was. It was um, kind of like, oh, I'm going to teach these boys this, or the, you know, the whole family. It was just. It was just a it was just fun because it was something that he was really interested in. I mean, he could whistle like any solo on all these albums. So that was another thing we were like learning, like, you know, again, learning people's phrasing, how they soloed, you know, like all the, like these little intricate parts of music that I'm just really grateful to, to have had um, at such a young age. So, so it became really easy as I got older. That's how I learned to play was by ear. I'm curious if you think if you were born 2006, 2008, you, if you were the age of my kids today, mm. with all of the choices and distractions available that we have from a technological perspective, if if you were brought up in that same household, if you, it still would have had the same effect. Because as you tell me that, I think, 
if I did that with my kids, they'd be like, oh, dad, really? Do we have to do this game? We really mm-hmm. want to go do, we really want to go watch this show or play this game or. I mean, well, honestly, I mean, that's, that, uh, that was how it was for us when we were younger. We didn't want to sit there all day and listen to music. We, you know, we, we were kids. You know, it's, it's funny because I guess you'd have to be really dedicated these days to do that. I mean, that's like kind of the one thing that I've, I find has been lost and, for the most part, it's like, yeah, and you, we're, we're probably about this. We're from the same era, man. And, and you remember when you'd sit down, you had to sit down and listen to music. I mean, that, that's, I mean, think about it. That's such a foreign concept these days, really, you know, like we'd sit down and you'd open up that, the album cover and you'd read, you know, the liner notes and you'd check out the photos. And it was a, it was a, it was a happening. I mean, these days it's like, of most people, they're just they have their phones and they're walking around and and music and and some some for most for the most part is kind of like background background noise or whatever. And there's so much of it. That's the that's the crazy thing. That's just bugs me out. I have I remember for a while I had uh, cats who would come into the recording studio and I was kind of getting hip to the whole like oh well well I have a hard drive you want to, and trade some music i'm like okay yeah cool it was not like trading music like we used to do back in the day it's like oh man here take these albums and i'm gonna go you know make a cassette of you know, a copy <laughs> of them you know it's like these cats are coming yeah. in like with like oh here's like 250 gigs of music you know like i'm like what am i gonna do with all this like when am i ever gonna sit down and listen to all this you know i'm really not you know like when i was younger i remember the the very first album that i purchased with my own money was uh men at work cargo no no it wasn't cargo it's business as usual the first men at work album and i like save i I don't remember how old i was i was pretty young but you know like back in the day like you would save up your money and you would like run out to the record store and you but maybe if you were lucky you'd get like two albums or three albums that's like if you were really rolling but you would sit there and you'd listen to those albums and you would like soak them up soak them in and then until they were like worn out and then you'd go off and buy your next album um, yeah, my I think my first record that I bought was actually on cassette, and it was yeah. I think it was Van Halen one. Man, that's one of my favorite albums of all time to this day, straight up. But oh man, are you kidding me? That's yeah. That's- and then I had uh, my parents refused to like I was so into Ozzy Osbourne as a kid. <laughs> yes, and yeah, yeah. I my parents refused to buy me the records. They didn't mind if I listened to him, but they weren't going to buy him. You know, <laughs> yeah, my mom yeah, would yeah. look at Diary of a Madman and go. I'm not buying you a record that has a song called Flying High Again. No, I don't think so. So my yeah. friends would give the give me the vinyl for birthdays and I would yeah, acquire man. them that way. And then I had another friend who would he wanted to I was into like Iron Maiden and yeah, New yeah. Wave of British heavy metal. I have a friend who grew up across the street who also played drums whose dad was a uh, a conductor and and, a, and an arranger. And, he, mm-hmm. and this guy, I was always uh, really envious of his playing ability in terms of drums. He would try right. to demetalize me by turning me on to uh, Frank Zappa and the Dregs, the Dixie Dregs. And, yeah, Dixie Dregs, of course, man. And, yeah. and so I was getting it from all different sides, but yeah, yeah. But it was, as you say, it wasn't like a hundred gigs of music or something. No. It was like, you know, a couple albums, kind of. Um, at a time. At man. a time, yeah. yeah. So you could digest it and 
exactly for like exactly. two weeks straight i was like into zappa in new york you know oh man oh yeah 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 that's a that's a great one although roxy and elsewhere was has always kind of been my favorite live representation of zappa although the live live in new york is great because terry terry just destroys that you know but yeah anyway I could, I could go. We could. Oh, we could I talk, know. We could go. Well, you know, we, 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 we talk hours like, on Zappa. You know, yeah, we sound like two old. two guys who were born in like you know late sixties, early seventies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You talk about your dad kind of training you with you know who's playing drums, who's playing alto sax. Mm -hmm. That early ability to identify. Of course, some some players are e more easy to identify than others. I mean, right. Any person who hears the first few moments of Stuart Copeland's hi hats know it's the police and man so it's interesting i just had a, a conversation with someone just last week when i was down in brooklyn about this very subject and and so a lot uh, again a part of what my father kind of instilled or what kind of blossomed in me was that and I, I refer to this as the drop the needle um kind of effect or or philosophy over the years, I wanted to become that kind of player where you drop the needle and it's like, oh man, that's, you know, that's Alan Evans or that's, you know, like, or you could drop the needle on, uh, on so many people. And, and, and I guess the discussion was really about drumming at this, at this, at this particular time. There were a lot of, a lot of drummers, uh, I guess you would say in this, have a lot of technical kind of ability. Like the, I call them like the martial arts kind of drummers. They can just do flips and all this kind of, you know, all this <laughs> crazy stuff. But there's a there's this group of cats, and there and in, and many genres. But I, there's no personality. They can do all this kind of stuff. Oh, great! You spent like you know twenty hours a day in in a room practicing all your rudiments or whatever they are. If I don't I can't recognize your playing or, or, or discern it from you know from player A to B to C you kind of lost me. I just love cats who have personality, you know, like, and in their music and their songwriting and their playing. So that's, again, that's a, something else that I guess I took, took away from my father. You know, it's like, just, just really be yourself. And I almost think that some of the, some of the identification comes from, and this is where we're starting to get into the, the discussion of recording is that you take a, a great player, uh, put them with other great players, with a great song in a very characteristic environment and let's say when the levee breaks you know okay it instantly identifiable uh the tone of the drums the player the song it all that's when it all comes together mm -hmm. exactly it's so moving towards the the recording aspect and i'm sure you you've discovered this over the years i've had like these um mixes where it's like oh um well i want the drums to sound well of course like bonham or whatever well man well first of all you you recorded the the your drums you have like a, some brand new like dw drum set or whatever you know i'm not bashing dw but whatever you know with the clear heads and it was uh you can just go on and on it's like, well, first of all, that's, you know, if you're trying to get that sound, you messed up right from the beginning, right there, <laughs> you know? And one thing I've, I've learned over the years of doing this, and, I, and I'm lucky enough to be able to, like, teach this kind of stuff now, and there's cats who are, like, starting to listen, but nothing beats having a great song, great players, 
if I'm not recording it, if the recording engineer does a halfway decent job of, you know, recording it, you're you're gonna be all right. <laughs> you know, like and my mixes have been like, you know, become a lot easier because, you know, or well sometimes they're easier because when you have great players playing great tunes, you don't really have to do too much, you know. And that's like one thing I used to do when I was younger, of course, you know, you're trying to o overdo it, you know. But <laughs> because <laughs> you have all the knobs and everything to turn but i don't know you have a deep background musically speaking and uh i don't want to negate that at all but i do want to jump into right now and i specifically i want to talk about your recording the recording aspect of your life um mm. tell me about iron wax and tell me about your recording activities from a recording uh engineer perspective what, um what's well, going on with all that wow well i mean i've been like super busy that's for sure and which is which is great i've been in this particular building for well maybe over a year now and it's a it's a small room oh it's the kind of room i dig um there's no um i'm the kind of cat who doesn't uh i don't have a control room it's just like one big open room mm -hmm. um and i i guess a lot of that came early on again being a person who plays and records everything in my, myself i had to create a space in which i could move around really easily and quickly um without having like to go in and out of all these doors and things like that and what happens is is you know i have bands come in and because i'm coming i'm really coming at at it from uh the musician's side of of being an engineer or producer I, I just like to be in the room like when it's all happening and and there's like a certain uh, amount of excitement that you can feel when I'm just like in the room I'm getting hyped up I'm you know dancing around if it's a really good take you know and, and there's just it's a really quick communication that happens and I just like the sound of it it's really interesting when people you know walk in uh, and actually I I did a uh, a workshop out at Brad Smalling's place a couple oh, ever, years ago Evergrove at Evergroove, yeah, and it, and it was about recording a band in a room, everybody in the room, and it's it's so funny. Cats get so kind of like bugged out, like, oh man, well, you know, aren't you gonna put the guitar in, in a booth or all this kind of stuff? And really, and I guess it also came from my experiences in doing that. I just never really dug the sound of it when I was younger. It just always sounded everything sounded separated, and those are just, I guess, kind of albums that. I've dug listened to when I was growing up and I didn't really know that, but I just dig the vibe of it. So anyway, so Iron Wax is like 500 square feet. <laughs> it's not a, not a big place at all. And, uh, but I've had like, you know, some pretty big bands in here with horns and background singers and all that kind of stuff, you know? And I don't know, it's pretty simple. I mean, you put the, you choose the right microphones for the situation. People are always kind of blown away. It's like, Oh, I'll solo the guitar and the guitar amp is like, right next to the drums or whatever and they're like uh i can kind of hear a, a tiny little bit of drums they're kind of blown away you know it's like well you know you just like again pick the right microphone for the situation and and again you have some good players it's all going to work out and the energy level that's captured in those moments is undeniable in my exactly opinion. exactly i mean and and a lot of times i don't even cut I mean, I give people the choice. Oh, if you want to record with headphones, you can. If you don't want to, that's totally fine too. You know, a lot of cats, you know, they come in 
especially like younger younger musicians and they're coming straight off the road and they they don't have like a lot of recording experience or if they they do their experiences is like in a situation where they've uh, they're used to playing shows or, or they're rehearsing in the rehearsal space or whatever and they're not using headphones and then next thing you know they're in this recording studio and their amp is in in a room like 20 feet away locked up somewhere and and everyone's on headphones and it's it it's kind of jarring and it's a could be a jarring experience for them so i offer them well if you don't want headphones here cool like no big deal to me whatever whatever it takes to get the the best performance out of someone that's that's the deal i have singers come in here they don't i say if you don't want headphones that's fine you know it's like singing in the bathroom you know i'll just turn up the the i'll put the, you know the the track through the oratones or you know turn it up just enough so they they feel a nice blend between the music and their vocal and off they're running you know and it sounds it sounds good i i like a little bit of bleed <laughs> alan evans here on the working class audio podcast we're gonna take a little sponsor break here with our friends over at audio technica uh i don't know if you've seen it but there is an audio technica blog that is really really cool and that's it uh, blogs.audio-technica.com or you could just Google Audio Technica blog and it'll come up, of course. There is a number of entries there, like the entry, uh, the most recent entry that I'm seeing right now is basic audio techniques for video, lavalier microphones, and it talks about that. So if you're new to the area of uh, news gathering or you're doing interviews where you're using lavalier mics and you're new to it, this would be a great place to turn and check things out. There's, there's contests, there's stuff about mic technique, stuff about turntables, all kinds of stuff there at the Audio-Technica blog, and it's full of information. So be sure to check that out. That's at uh, blog.audio-technica.com. Let's get back into it with our esteemed guest, Alan Evans, here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. So are you in a, uh, are you in a rehearsal facility, or, or what kind of facility are you in? It's a, it's a, big crazy old mill building so i'm like in like you know new england western massachusetts and it's this this crazy old building i don't even know how big it is it's it's massive and um the last cat who was in here uh, was a custom motorcycle builder um so i mean if you look at the building from the outside it's it's something that you would you would probably find a lot of in uh like Brooklyn or Portland, Oregon, but you know, there, like in Brooklyn, there's like thousands of these buildings, and around here, this is the only one. Um, so there's a, a different businesses in this building. I mean, there's like woodworkers and like Meals on Wheels operates out of out of here, and there are some rehearsal spaces in this building. But I mm-hmm. lucked out when I contacted the guy who runs this building. I told him exactly what I was looking for. I was like, man, I, I, I'm a um, recording engineer, musician, and um, my band's coming through and this and that. And he's like, okay, well, I, I think I have a space for you. I told him how the square footage I was looking for. You know, I've like found the spot on Craigslist or whatever. So he showed me a couple other places in the building. He's like, well, there's bands in here, but they can only like come in here after business hours, like six o'clock they can get started. And then they have to be done by whatever, seven or 8 a.m., I said, well, that's not going to work for me, you know, because I have a family and I'm not, you know, I'm not 20 any any longer, you know. So he said, all right, man, well, I have this 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 other room for you. So I'm like 
at the end of this massive building all by myself down here. I can do whatever I want to do. It's worked out really great. Did you do a build out? No, no, I didn't. I, I had some um, some panels that I brought in from my old studio, and that's pretty much all I did. And I don't and I don't know if they're really doing too much, but they look cool. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I you know I I um it's funny, man. Just I guess life hasn't really taken me down that path of being able to either afford to or maybe even have the desire to I, I man i've worked in studios all over the all over the world you know what i mean i have like some amazing studios and this is just this is my vibe i just i can i i always joke with people i'm like you know i always like the muhammad ali you know quote you know he's like man i'll fight you in a telephone booth you know and i kind of feel the same way man it's like i'll record you in a telephone booth i don't care you know like oh i'll make it happen so you you can get done what you needed to get need to get done to your standards in this space. Oh yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean the, cra the so the crazy thing is, uh, before this, I had a, a um a years ago I had a like a really a larger space with like twenty five hundred square feet, and and that kind of situation got a little crazy. So I got out of there. So I I built a studio at home, and one of the reasons why I went home is because. I was so busy at the studio recording bands and then I was on the road because I was recording like my, my band's albums there. So by the time like I had any time, any free time, I was on the road or I'm in the studio with these other bands. So if I had any time to work on my own music, like I didn't want to see the studio. You know, I just wanted to like live life. So it was kind of a drag. I wasn't really working on much of my own music. So I said, well, I'm just going to move home and I'll have time to record my own stuff, and which I did. I I was got really productive. I was still mixing stuff for people, you know, but um, I wasn't recording other people as much. I I just started outgrowing. I was just outgrowing the 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 place, you know. Like I was like, oh, I outgrew the console I have, and then I had this big console I brought in there, and I was like, oh my god, if if this is never leaving here, you know. I had the Hammond down there. I had all this stuff. I'm just bursting at the seams, so I need a space. And it just so happened I had this recording coming up with my brother, and we have this thing called the Brothers. It's like a, a little band or whatever. So it's me, my brother Neil playing organ, uh, O'Teal Burbridge, who plays with uh, Dead and Company now. He's you know, and then uh, his brother Kofi, who plays with uh, Trucks Tedeschi Band. So we had this session coming up. Oh, and I was like, man, I don't want to do this at home. So I just start. I just like went out and found a space. Like in a couple of days, I like, found this place, and I'm like, oh, I got some friends. They helped me move all my stuff in, and I was literally finishing wiring it up before those cats showed up to record. <laughs> it was like crazy, but it made it happen, you know. But that's kind of usually how things go with me. It's just like kind of last minute, you know. Like, oh, we have the session. Okay, well. The studio is not totally ready yet, but it will be. And, you know, it's, yeah, it happens. I mean, you still play, right? Oh, yeah. So you have this very strong musical background, and I'm curious how it informs the recording side of you. And because I think recording engineers, uh, whether they play an, uh, an instrument or not, I think they can get myopic sometimes and, and concentrate on recording engineer specific things. Yeah, man. You know, because I mean, that's that's what 
that's what recording engineers typically do. Right. I mean, I've 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 definitely over the years I've I've developed the skills to be a, a what I feel to be a really good engineer. You know, I can get I can go into the the minutia of of all that kind of stuff. But um, one example, man, I, I and I bring this this up a lot. I'll be in. The, I remember one time I was in a session with a band, and they were like these. They were younger cats, just like graduated from Berkeley, uh, Berkeley College of Music out here. And they came in the studio, and they're working on their on their on their album or whatever. And and they got into this like kind of heated argument about like this one one or two bar section of this tune, and the bass drum and the kick drum weren't lining up properly. And they just and, and so they came over and they're sitting on the couch and they're talking trying to talking it through and i'm just listening to this and i was just hired as engineer i wasn't a producer yet because you know if i'm an engineer i just kind of you know just do what they want you know and i if they ask for a suggestion or something or opinion i'll i'll, I'll give it but i don't just offer it freely you know but anyway so they're sitting here talking and i'm sitting here like oh my god i just can't take this anymore you know like really you're arguing about the kick drum in the in the bass guitar not lining up like and for this one particular part of the tune and it really to me it didn't it didn't matter it really didn't matter so anyway so we're sitting they're sitting there talking and i pulled up um i put on superstition you know stevie wonder so they're just talking they're talking and then all of a sudden i dropped out some some keyboards i dropped out the, the horns because i had the multi-track files of superstition all of a sudden, it starts getting quieter. And then I finally get down to just like the drums and they're dead silent. They're just like listening to this now, you know? And then I just turn around and say, okay, guys, listen to this. And the drums are are pretty sloppy, I'll say, you know? Like, I mean, there's great feel, but it's Stevie Wonder playing drums. And there, there's like, there's definitely he like overdubbed like drums on top of drums. And I brought in like the synth bass that he was playing. And it was like, all these runs that weren't like perfectly executed. I guess, well, to, to my ear, they're perfectly executed. Then I brought, started bringing all these things in. And then I, and then I stopped it. I said, guys, okay, check it out. You're arguing about two, a two bar phrase here where you're not bass and drums aren't lined up it doesn't matter you know like you just listened to one of the the most recognizable songs of all time you know and there was there was definitely clams all over the place it doesn't matter it's all about the song you know if it's a great song it's a great performance overall that's all that matters and and then after that the whole session kind of loosened up and we made it through and everyone was happy so you know, I, I guess that's my 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 thing. Uh, coming at it from my perspective as a musician, you know, to me, it's it's all about. You know, you can get into, oh man, I didn't play this correctly, and all this kind of stuff, man. Like, if did, did you play it with passion? You know, did you? You know, is it a good song? And to me, as as a drummer, when I'm playing, my job is to support the song. I'm not up there playing tons of fills and oh look what I can do. You know, like it's it's supporting the song. Um, and so that's kind of what I try to bring into a recording session as a, a producer or, or an engineer. Um, uh, it's, it's little things like that, the things that to me really matter. And I've been lucky enough and that people who, who come now, they know my vibe. And we just have we just have a good time making music, you know. Mm -hmm. So 
I don't know. I, I like to keep things simple. That's interesting because you brought it up from the perspective of the musicians obsessing on the their their details and doing their musician centric. Right, thing, right, right. Which is great. Uh, and my question was actually geared towards the recording engineers, but of course, musicians do that. They argue over minutia. Again, so that's what I'm saying. Like for me, all all of this to me is the same thing. Like either I'm playing music or I'm pushing faders around. It's all it's all the same to me. You know, like it's mm -hmm. just it's about it's about the song. I've been in sessions, man, where, you know, where I've been on the other side when I'm the musician or whatever. And you go you go to someone and they're they're sitting there and they're working on a on uh you're in a mix, working on a kick drum or the drums for thirty minutes. And it's like, what are you doing? Like who cares? Like put the rest of the like if you don't know what you you've worked on the kick drum for twenty minutes and then as soon as you put the bass guitar in the track, it, they they're not working together and you're wondering why. Well, I mean, so for me, like if I get a mix, whenever I get a mix from a band, especially something I haven't recorded, for instance, you know, I just I put I put all the faders, I put it up to Unity or whatever, and I just listen to it. Like okay, what is this song? What is this song telling me to do? And then it's like, oh, well, it's kind of like a Pink Floyd kind of vibe or, you know, or, or whatever. It's like a public enemy or what, what? I mean, whatever it is, then you can like start to, you know, dial things in from, from at that point. But to spend 20 minutes on, oh, uh, that kick drum sounds great. Okay, cool. But as soon as you put the vocal in, well, you know, there's all these problems. I just, I, so that, I guess that's, to me, that would be one instance of it's kind of it's all the same to me in terms of how how I approach recording music or producing it. I don't know. I, I, I like I'm a big picture kind of person, you know, of course I can. And, and then when mm -hmm. it comes time to uh, of course, I can like figure out like little little issues here and there. But um, I just I don't know. I don't like to waste time on, on, on stuff like that, really, when it comes down to it. I just I just enjoy the whole music making process. I like it to be fun for myself and for for everybody. The last thing I want is a band sitting behind me like, oh my God, what is he, you know, like, you know, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, cause I've been there, you know, I've been there and it's not fun. Yeah, it's like, let's get it on, man. Let's let's move. Let's exactly keep this exactly. thing rolling. And Yeah, man. It's funny, man. Cats will come in here, you know, uh, we'll have like these little pre-production meetings or emails or whatever, what have you. And like, oh, okay, so so day one we'll get sounds together, and then day two, and I'm like, and I don't say anything. I'm like, oh yeah, cool, cool, right on. And cats are always so so surprised that like two hours after they've showed up, they're recording. I don't want to make it sound like I'm I'm like lazy or anything because I I definitely like or uh, I I take things too lightly, you know. But when I have a band that's planning on coming in i asked to hear like if hey, do you have any demos do you have any live recordings or anything you know and i try to get a, an idea i talked to them like what do you, you know what are you going for you know um and then and then i as soon as they get in i don't i just don't like cats like sitting around waiting waiting for me you know i try to work things out as much as possible i'm not one of these cats where i like oh this microphone's gonna be here and it's gonna here but i i i feel that at this point in my in my life or my career I've, i'm able to make I trust my instincts, you know. Yeah, and and it, and it usually works out. And and you try things, and if it, they don't work, hey, cool. You know, you try try something else. But let's talk. Uh, let's talk a little business and and money. Uh, sure, matters for a bit. Uh, I'm curious. Do you derive more of your your income from recording 
or from playing? I make more money playing, for sure. Okay. I, I'm working a lot in the studio, so some of that is is by design. Um, in that, um, again, coming from from things as a, a musician um, and having been a musician for a very long time, it's fun. One time, I had I had a, a situation where a, a friend of mine. Uh, asked me to do kind of like a, a mix. He's a LA cat, you know, or he was in LA at the time. And he wanted me to mix something. And he's like, oh man. Um, and it was kind of a, what do you call it? Like a mix, mix showdown or mix out. I don't know. He had a few different cats mixing the same tune, you know. And so I told him like how much I was going to charge or whatever. And he's like, dude, are you crazy? Like, you know what cats are getting out here? And you're like, yeah, I get it, man. But, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I like to make things affordable for people. You know, I've been in this situation where I was like, oh man, you're trying to, you can't get the best out of uh, out of yourself or out of your recording because you're like short on bread, you know? So, I mean, I guess with that said, people always tell me uh, they're, they're super psyched on my rates. People feel like they, a lot of times they were kind of hesitant for a long, well, I should say this, for a long time, I, I didn't have my rates on my website. And so people, a lot of people didn't hit me up because they figured they couldn't afford me for some reason. They know me from playing and, and albums and such. But um, could I charge more? Probably. But I mean, I'm cool, you know. And, I, and I'm, again, I'm still a very active musician and um, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable. So When, when the ecosystems crisscross into one another and you have somebody from a uh, in a market that can't really sustain high uh, dollar amounts for for let's say mixing right right and then you get somebody who's like used to charging 500 700 a thousand 1500 a mix yeah, coming yeah. from la yeah, yeah and and when these are crisscrossing whether it's musicians from la coming to the this <clears throat> tertiary market or mm -hmm. or you know you know what i'm saying it's like oh, yeah. even when there's you know a mix off or a you know uh, something like that that's when it's like well okay i don't have my mix rates on my website so some people are not calling me and then i do put my rates up and they're affordable so i get a whole nother level of people not calling me because they think oh it's too low there's some there's obviously something wrong with it right right it's a whole fucking game that is just kind of mind-numbing after a while oh totally man totally again it's all the same over in my life it's i've made everything i've discovered it's all the same for me there's room for everybody and right now i'm super psyched i've been really busy i'm very happy i'm lucky also in that and there's other cats in in this area who i don't advertise you know like they're advertising and then and they're uh, then they're you know cats are complaining because they oh well oh, i gotta work on this session it's horrible you know it's guys don't show up or what you know the deal and i'm i'm lucky that i get to work with everybody i i really dig i really dig the music we have you know we become friends afterwards and 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 i'm finding already like you know people are coming back you know i had some cat uh, i had some cats in here maybe six seven months ago recording an ep and then we're getting going again in a few weeks you know on some some other stuff you know like I said, man, I just I do things that just keep me happy, make me happy. Do you think that the clients you get and the quality of clients and the fact that you're happy with those clients most of the time is a direct result of your musical background because people know you and there's maybe you tend to attract more 
talent. Um, Do you think there's yeah. any truth to that? Yes, but it also it can be a, a, a bit of a disadvantage sometimes. I've had uh, uh, some situations where cats have come in as a band, we'll say, you know, and the guitarist in the band is he's the leader of the band. And he hits me up to like, oh, we want to come record with you because I really dig what you did on such and such an album. And then the drummer shows up <laughs> and he's like kind of gets all tense because whatever he's playing, you know, he's there. Uh, he's a big fan of mine or something. What I hate that word, but you know, whatever. He admires your playing. Yeah, exactly. And so that can, that can be, it can be a disadvantage sometimes and that people are a little intimidated or whatever, but, but I cool that out pretty quick. You know, I mean, my my wife manages the studio, you know, and she's always like, she she gets a lot of feedback from people, uh, you know. And just recently, we were talking. We down in Brooklyn, we were hanging out. My wife and I and this cat uh, band who I just recorded over in London. He came over to see me play, and he was telling my wife, he's like, you know, the great thing was that Alan never got on the drums like during the session. Like I never showed the. You know, it was not like I was, and I was producing the album. I never, I didn't consciously think of that. Like, oh, I'm not going to get on the drums. But to me, that's like, that's not my place. You know, like right now, like I'm producing the whole thing, you know, and like, I'm, I just feel like I'm a very encouraging person. Yeah, but it was, it was really funny to hear that, you know, like, yeah, I didn't get on the drums. Yeah, no, I guess I didn't. I guess I didn't, <laughs> you know. Um, but that, again, that can, that can work to, can be a disadvantage. I found like in, once, at the, especially at the beginning of a session, it's like you, I can I know when the the drummer is kind of like or or anybody in the band is kind of you know they get kind of uh, tense because oh I'm here and and I'm it's like man don't worry about it you're doing just fine you know and and we're all here together and um, and then by the end it it always it's always great but, yeah I could uh, I could see how that that could be problematic. Yeah. Again, I've been there. I remember the first time that I like I worked with Bob Power, who like Bob Power is like one of the, you know, yeah, okay, there you go. You know who I'm talking about. You oh, know. Yeah. And I I was just like, whoa, this I can't believe this is happening. He had just like came off of, you know, doing like some D'Angelo album or something, you know, maybe it was like Brown Sugar or something like that. I felt the same way. And then he was just like he was like a, a, a fan of us and and the and the playing and and us as people and we just became friends. It was cool, you know. So again, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I just kind of that's one of my advantages. I feel is like I've been there, you know. I've 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 toured the entire world. I'm touring the entire world, you know. I've, and I remember what it was like. That's what got me into all of this. Is some jerk you know, um, engineer, I like my band, I was like maybe like 13 or 14. We won like a battle of the bands in Buffalo and we won studio time, you know, and it was, of course, it was like the graveyard shift. So we had to show up at like 10 or 11 at night and record <laughs> until 6 a.m., you know? And at the time I was like kind of interested in recording a bit, you know, and I had questions for the guy and he was just like, oh, get out of here, little kid. Like, I'm going to do my thing. You go in there and play your, you know, your, your, you know, your shitty little tunes or whatever. And I was like, really? Like, man, I'll do this myself, you know? <laughs> so I did. I just, and so I, again, man, that, that's just, a, to me, whenever people come into my studio, it's all about them. 
You know, it's there. I don't care how much. I don't care if if they're coming off working like an eight-hour shift somewhere, and they're just like hobby, you know, musicians or whatever. They're good, but you know, some cats don't have the same breaks as I've, I've gotten. You know, but maybe this could be it. You know, and they're they're putting their entire life. They're away from their family. They're away from their girlfriends. They're like putting. They're paying me. So I'm, man. It's all about you, th those cats at that moment, you know. And I, I, because I know what it's like. I know what it's like. You're in Massachusetts, right? Yes. Uh, I did live in New York a long time ago. I'm from Buffalo, New York originally, and then when I graduated high school, I moved to New York City and lived there. You know, playing music and touring. When, while I was in New York City, some friends, our manager had some friends who lived up in Woodstock, New York, and I ended up up there hanging out i was like man this is beautiful like you know our van was getting broken into like cats were like sleep like homeless dudes were sleeping in our van like in new york you know like and then you're going out on tour like you're fighting traffic to get out of new york and then you're fighting traffic to get back in and i just remember hanging out in woodstock i was like man this is beautiful this is it's peaceful it's quiet there's some great i mean it's woodstock so you know you met some really amazing cats there so my band at the time, we ended up moving to Woodstock, New York, lived there for a while. So that, that kind of gave me the, the, the bug. I just love peace and quiet. And that's what I have here in, in Western Mass. It's just such a beauty. It's like they call it the Happy Valley, <laughs> you know, and that's exactly what it is. I mean, you know, maybe to a fault, <laughs> but, but it's, it's just beautiful. I mean, I love peace and quiet. I have a 20 minute drive to the studio back, you know, to home and, and whatever, back to the studio and, I can unwind and there's just trees and I can go outside at night and, and sit under the stars. And yeah, I can, if I really want to, I can just sit out there and listen to the grass grow. So it just kind of recharges me. Now you have a family, right? I do. I uh, do. Because we were texting the other day and you were saying that you were going with a 13 year old to go see Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our daughter just turned 13 and our son okay. is 16. Tell me about the work life balance yeah. thing. How's that, how's that work? In the Evans household, it, it's really great. When uh, when our son was born, that was a time when Soli was really busy, and our my wife was our manager mm -hmm. for a long time, and she got us through our like our 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 deal with Blue Note Records and all this kind of stuff. And then, wow, then we find out we're gonna have a kid, and that changed things a lot. You know, like she was home. Um, and I'm still touring around. And at that, again, we were on Blue Note at the time. We were like, we were gone all the time, you know. But things have slowed down for me. And then, but then you have teenagers and they have their own lives. So they're like running around like crazy, you know. But the, the, the great thing is um, my kids grew up in this. So, and the, I've, of course, I've missed birthdays. I've missed, missed wedding anniversaries, all kinds of stuff, man. But I've always made it a point when I'm home, I'm home. And and it's been great that I've been able to, I can really design my schedule to how, how, how I want it. And so my wife, I said earlier, she manages the studio, but she also has her own career. She's a yoga uh, Pilates instructor. So she can create her, her own schedule. Man, we have it good. I mean, my wife and I, like, we, it's, it's a, an amazing thing that we can just, any day, we go, oh, it's Tuesday, let's go for a hike. And, you know, at, at, oh, yeah, 11 a.m., 12, 12 o'clock, whatever. And we just go do our thing. Um, so we've definitely have created 
a really great life for ourselves you know and is that because you you live in a place where the cost of living is not so outrageous the, the cost of li living is definitely not outrageous it's not new york city it's not san francisco i've had a lot of a lot of friends are moving to denver now you know like it's just i don't know i had a uh, some opportunities to move elsewhere but my kids they have they go to a great school they have their friends I mean, our son is, you know, literally they just finished school and he's about to be a junior next year. So we're going to get into the whole looking at colleges and, and things like that, which is going to be interesting. So he's ready to get out of here, <laughs> you know, of course, you know. Um, Would you categorize the place you live as a small town? It's a small town. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Deerfield, Massachusetts is a definitely, yeah, definitely a small town. And I, I don't even know the, the population, but it's, it's small. Uh -huh. It's a, it's a wonderful community though. Um, people are, you know, we have some great friends here and, uh, I, 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 I really love it. I, I love and it. And the studio and your musical, the musical side of your, your world, um, mm -hmm. you feel that even in, in a small town, you can still do enough work to sustain you well see so this is the thing that again this is where um the the i have a great balance of playing live shows and and i'm lucky again i'm lucky enough to be in a band that we've been together for what almost 20 years now and we've we've had some we've had some pretty you know we've had some success You're talking about soul live so it's about soul right. live yeah okay. i mean i have bands let's see coming up I'm just thinking about my calendar coming up. I have a band coming from Charlotte, North Carolina, Burlington, Vermont. I mean, I have cats coming from all over. I've had I've done work with cats from Australia, Switzerland, um, well, most recently London. So the the uh, I'm I, yeah, man. I'm just super lucky to have done so much around the world, and people dig our music. And I've been also lucky enough to have recorded a lot of Soul Lives music. So uh, and and people hey, look uh, look on the CD covers or album covers and oh who did that oh whoa Alan cool uh, I had no idea and then they find my website or whatever and so I'm not dependent it's on uh, bands or musicians from around here I'm actually in 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 the studio right now producing an album for a group from around here but honestly most of my work comes from uh, from all over and not much from around here and so the, the do you think that soul live is responsible for a lot of that recognition and people coming to you from outside of where you're at of course okay. of course without a doubt because i mean uh, you've worked, without a doubt you've, i mean you've you've had you know john schofield and dave matthews and mm -hmm. a lot of other kind of higher profile people involved with soul live in the past as, as oh, guests yeah. oh yeah yeah, yeah, without a doubt, man. I mean, there, there's, I mean, I, I owe so much of my, you know, everything to, to, to Soul Life, of course, you know, and so, you know, my, my brother, who I've been lucky enough to be in bands with pretty much our entire lives, you know, we're, we're, we're like best friends, you know, and, uh, and, and obviously Eric, our guitarist, you know, and, they're, my brother is a f fantastic engineer as well and, and musician. Eric our Krasner, our guitarist, is a phenomenal producer. I mean, he's he's been working with some heavy cats lately and has been for a while. Mm -hmm. So it, it's great to be in a situation where we, it's uh, it's very, we, it's inspiring. You know, we bring, we go off and do our thing 
and I'm able to bring that inspiration from working with other bands and and listening to younger cats and 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 bring it back to the band when we play. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great situation, man. I've I've yeah, I've been so fortunate in this life, without a doubt. Back to back to the 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 business and money thing. I was I was starting to go mm -hmm. into a little earlier. Are there specific things within your studio uh, ecosystem financially that you can point to and say, yeah, we we do things like this because of this. You know, we you know we don't you know we bought this or we choose not mm -hmm. to buy this or our rent is like this. It's funny, man. <clears throat> I guess I'm old school in that everything I have here I use, and 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 uh, the industry and. You know what I mean? Like the industry has made it, um, or the the consumer side of the studio industry or the instrument, where is making it really difficult because, like, e like man, every two days there's like some new compressor that comes out, some new microphone that's oh, this is the greatest thing, and you need this, you need to have this because, or this new plug-in, or like now, Cassie, you know, like oh, uh, you know. I, I I haven't jumped on the subscription based kind of plug in thing yet, man, because man, I don't need another bill. <laughs> you know, I have Netflix and I have like cable and like all this kind of stuff I don't even I don't even have time for, you know. So anyway, I guess like you know, back in the day, if you were lucky enough to to have a, a, a four track cassette, like a Tascam or whatever, Yamaha, like, man, you use that thing until like, I mean, you figured every trick out, you know, you fit like, because we, that's all there was, you know, like, I mean, I'd never even fathomed owning like a, a 16 track or a 24 track machine when I was like 14 or 15 or even 18, you know, like that was just like, that was nonsense. That was like, that was like, that was magic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, but so, so I've brought that over into my and so I, that's how I've always been, man. Like every, I can look around and everything gets used, you know. And there's certain certain situations, man, where if a band comes in and and oh, I find like, man, I really need to do like they need this or like this is gonna help the session run better. That's usually when I make a purchase, you know, like out of just necessity. Um, and at this recent workshop I did with Brad out in Evergroove. Like this cat was like talking about, oh, he wants to start this um, engineering, like recording co-op kind of deal where everybody's going to bring in their gear and, and all like, and he was like, oh, we're going to have to get a lawyer and insurance, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, wait a minute, man. Like, is this like, and I was being cool about it, but I was like, this sounds kind of self-serving. Like, you know, like, like you, you know, oh yeah. He was like, yeah, it is. Cause he has like, you know, a little computer and dog, you know, and a few things. And he's hoping that someone's going to come in with a space echo and like, you know, like a U 47 or something, you know, and that everyone's going to share it and all this kind of stuff. And I was kind of just saying, we got into the conversation about, yeah, man, it's, it's every time you open up like your, 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 your laptop or your, your phone and you go to like, someone's trying to sell you something you know they're trying to sell you something new and 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 a lot of young cats get kind of buy into that you know like instead of like hey man like try not to put stuff on on a credit card that you're not going to be able to pay off you know like there's no uh to me it's like it's it, it's hard for me to warrant going it so far into debt when i can i'll just make it happen with what i have you know and on that note, I, I will say that in this day and age, it's very easy to pull the trigger on a purchase 
right, instantly right. Totally. when when the impulse strikes and i really as i get older i really am trying to you know like right now i need a different desk situation i heard i, I heard i heard you man i heard about it man i, I was going to ask you how that was how the search was going <laughs> well and i i, I got to think the audience they're sending me ideas and pictures and and but what i'm doing rather than just you know i've seen a couple really good ideas come come across facebook to me and which right. i really appreciate but rather than get uh knee jerk about it i'm waiting and yeah, i'm man. just letting time add some creativity to the thought process and it's causing me to come in each day to the studio and look around and go what is it that i really need here what what can i do without what can i how can i make it work exactly exactly Not, either make it work without spending any more money or how could I make, if I do get a new desk, what is it I am specifically looking for? Mm -hmm. And yep. is that a long-term thing that once I buy it, I'll have it for 10, 15, 20 years, or is this like a phase I'm going through? And that's, I think, I don't know if you go through those things where you're like, oh man, I really need this plugin or I, well, boy, I really could use this control surface or this, these monitors. I have gone through so many phases that I've talked myself out of, and I'm really glad I did. Oh yeah, totally, man. Yeah, yeah, without without a doubt. I mean, I'm I know, I'm, I mean, it's so crazy, man. When you think about, I, I I tell a lot of cats, you know, like back back when I started recording, like in the mid '80s or whatever, and I was hanging with cats who had been doing it for quite some time. It's like. It's really funny to think that most, I remember going to studios and hearing about recording studios that, oh man, you were lucky if you had like maybe like five compressors in the in that studio, you know, or, you know, maybe you had like a, a, a EMT 140. That was like, that was super big time, but most cats like would have like the Tapco spring <laughs> reverb, you know. So, and so these days, man, I opened up my, you know, the DAW, you know, open up Pro Tools, and I have more plugins than I'm literally ever going to use, you know, and I don't have nearly as many as, you know, as, as a lot of people. So I just, I just, and I, and I've learned to, um, I kind of have my little situation now, like a, I have some nice chains I like to go to, but I keep it simple, man, you know, and that's, yeah, you can get caught up in gear and like, I just don't really have the time for it, honestly, you know, like, you start looking at gear on, you know, on all these sites and next thing you know, it's, wow, man, six hours just went by. What just happened? <laughs> you know, like, oh, I didn't make any music. That's for sure. You know, and I didn't, I don't need any of it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just really doing my best to, to constantly evaluate what I'm doing, what I yeah. have. I, I found that lately, and I've been doing this for a while if a situation, if if I have a band or some or a mix, yeah, I was like, oh, I, I'm literally missing a tool, you know, some something that's gonna help this uh, sound better or or the workflow or whatever it may be. Then okay, and and honestly, usually it's 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 not really more so for me. It's like I, I do it more so for the comfort of of the uh, of the client or the artist or whatever you want to call it, you know. And, but for the most part, 95, 98% of the time, people come in here and we're, we're good. We're, we're totally good. Um, and that's, that's why, that's why I like, that's, that's where I like to keep it. Are there any routines that you do that play a part in your 
your daily life that you think are worth mentioning? Anything um, that kind of gets you mentally psyched or anything you do that you want to mention? Exercise and meditation. Tell me about that. Uh, I get up in the morning and some mornings I'll, I, I wake up pretty early, um, sometimes uh, not as, as early as I'd like, but uh, uh, the first thing I like to do is meditate. I have a maybe about a 40 minute to an hour meditation thing that I go through that really kind of gets my mind right. And then after that, I exercise. Um, I have like a routine that I've created over the years because I don't like going to gyms. Uh, so I uh, created something that I can do in a hotel room or on a tour bus. So I just do that at home. Uh, I grew up in a, a, a musical family, but an athletic family. So that's a, that's really a, a big part of how I start a day: meditation and exercise. Man, I eat well. I just I just like to stay in shape mentally and physically. Um, that's that's what's gonna. I feel it's gonna allow me to do this um, for as long as as possible. Because for me, there is no retirement. You know, this is this is what I do. I love doing it, and uh, I'm gonna I'm literally gonna do it to the day I die. So. So I'm gonna I'm be I'm gonna be a, in good shape when I go out too. <laughs> or I'm gonna try to be, you know. Yeah, man. Well, Al, this has been fantastic. I I, I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to talk with me. I know you've got a lot going on, and and this has been a real treat to talk to you. And I'm I appreciate the uh, the back and forth we've had to try to navigate getting to this time period. So it's, oh, it's man. been good. Right on. Well, I'm man. I'm a I'm a huge fan. Uh, I, like I said, man, I got a 20 minute drive to home and back to the studio, and uh, and working class audios has been. That's what I listen to, man. Because uh, very appreciative of being a part of, of what you're doing, man. It's, it's great. Well, thank you, thank you, and and I appreciate you being a part of it. Yeah, man. Wonderful rapping with you, man. I'm glad we've uh, connected, and and I'll, I'll be bugging you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Stay in touch. Thanks again for for being on. I really appreciate it. It's good to talk to you. Right on, brother. Right on. Same here, man. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Alan Evans here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Hope you enjoyed that. I certainly did. Every time I do these interviews, I got to say that even when it's somebody I don't know uh, very well, by the end of the interview, I feel like I've made a new friend. And uh, Alan definitely falls into that category, just as all the others have. So hope you enjoyed that. But we are out of time. So what do we do at this time? Of course, we start with thanking our friend, Mr. Cliff Truesdale. And then, of course, we thank Chuck Smith and Cole Williams. Of course, we have to thank our sponsors, Audio-Technica, Lawton Audio, Focal Monitors, Gearsleds.com, and Universal Audio. And I always have to say thank you to you all. I definitely appreciate you listening. Take care. Hey, I know many of you are aware of this, but for those of you that aren't aware... Working Class Audio sponsors the forum over at gearspace.com called Audio Life. And quite simply put, it's a place where audio professionals can go to talk with other audio professionals about things other than audio gear, including life hacks, work-life balance, health and hearing loss. You know, if you want to talk with other audio professionals who can identify with what your lifestyle is like and how it relates to things going on in the world outside of audio... This is a great place to go and check out. So head on over to gearspace.com, check out Audio Life, many of the same topics that we discuss here on the show on gearspace.com. So check that out.